Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Thank God that Jesus is the captain of the Lord's army. Thank God that Jesus is the one who keeps him at bay for us because if it was up to us, we would have no ability, you know, to even for one moment resist any of his power. But the Lord, of course, says he fights the battles for us. Thank God. The battle belongs to the Lord and he gives us his spirit. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 20 through 28. Now here's Pastor Brian. So in the long run, they felt that they had actually won because Nebuchadnezzar wasn't able to completely conquer them. But later, Alexander the Great would come along. And what Alexander would do is he would conquer what had been restored of the mainland, and then he would take the rubble and he would build a causeway out to the island and he would flatten it. He would raise it. And that's, There's a prophecy here that's so interesting in verse five. Out in the sea, she will become a place to spread fishnets. So a place for spreading fishnets was a barren rock. So the prophecy was that this island fortress will be completely destroyed. But again, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do it. But Alexander did. And from that time forward, it was never rebuilt. So that's a fascinating thing. Now, chapter 28 is where we're going to end up here. Um, but in chapter 27, it just talks about the, the greatness of Tyre as far as their trade and their own estimation of themselves. Uh, chapter 27, you say, Tyre, I am perfect in beauty Uh, Your domain was on the high seas. Your builders brought your beauty to perfection. They made all of your timbers of juniper from Sinir, and they took cedar from Lebanon and to make a mast for you of oaks from Bashan. And they made your oars of cypress wood from the coast of Cyprus. And they made your deck adorned with ivory, fine embroidered linen from Egypt was your sails. So just you know, speaking about the splendor and the glory of Tyre. And then their trading partners, verse 12, Tarsus did business with you. Tarsus is believed to either be Spain or the British Isles. They did business with you because of your great wealth of goods. And then just a bunch of nations are named. Greece, Tubal, Meshach. And they're trading, they're trading human beings, they're slave trafficking, the people of Beth Togarma, the island of Rhodes, Aram, which is the region of Syria, Damascus, Judah, Israel, Dedan, Arabia. So it's just talking about all of these places where Tyre had traded and they had gained their wealth from trading with all of these nations. And so they became again, very powerful and very prideful. 
And so chapter 28 now is a prophecy against the king. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, we're gonna skip verses one through 10. And let me just tell you, in one through 10, the prophet is speaking to the human ruler. But when you get to verse 12, suddenly there's a switch. And the prophecy goes from speaking to the the human ruler who was, at this point, it was a king called Ethbaal, Ethbaal III. So this is, you know, speaking initially to him as the ruler, but then chapter or verse 12 says, son of man, take up a lamentation concerning the king of Tyre. And so what we have here is we have kind of a, a look behind the veil. So here's this powerful king. Here's this great kingdom, this wealthy kingdom, trafficking and everything imaginable, human beings included. And, you know, this, this mighty, invincible Force, this naval force that's just unmatched in the ancient world. And, and all of this greatness through these various kings, but now he goes to show the power behind these kings. And this is one of two places in the scriptures where we get an understanding into the serpent. We get an understanding into the the creature that was in the garden that tempted Eve and led the world astray. And the book of Revelation tells us that the devil, Satan, he is that serpent of old. So this is such a fascinating passage. And so listen to what it says about him. Now, let me just say, there are, there's a debate among Bible scholars about who who's really being referred to here. And many, you know, a lot of times with, with Western Bible scholars, they tend to be, they tend to de-emphasize supernatural things. The academics are kind of byproducts of the, you know, just that enlightenment mentality of reason, everything's about human reason and, you know, what we can comprehend and understand, what is feasible to us. So, so they are the ones that always tend to downplay the supernatural aspects of scripture. And, you know, in some cases, historically, they would deny the miracles of Jesus or they would attribute them to other things, even Old Testament miracles like the crossing of the Red Sea or something, they would say, well, that, you know, that was kind of like the Reed Sea. It was just a little kind of a pond, you know, that they crossed or the manna was these little flakes that fell from these trees. And, you know, they, so they naturalize everything. They take away the supernatural aspect of it. And so they have done the same thing with this passage. So you, you will read, and not all of them, but you will read a number of academics who will look at this passage and say, oh, this is, this is speaking about, it's just speaking metaphorically about the king, or some will say it's speaking about Adam. But I think when we read it, I think it's just a straightforward reading. You recognize that this is speaking about somebody that is not a human being. 
And so decide for yourself. Here's what the Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. And it lists the various stones. I won't bother with that. Your settings and the mountings were of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. Now, let me just say this. Your settings and your mountings, apparently in Hebrew, this is a very, very difficult to translate. And there, there's uncertainty about what it is. Some translations read your, your tambourine and your pipe, like a flute. And so that's a possibility. But most more modern translations tend to go with this, your settings and your mountings. So we don't know exactly what it is. Um, you know, if it's a timbrel or the tambourine and the flute, then people say, oh, you see, you know, Satan, this is where maybe you've heard this, that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. Maybe you've heard that. That's where it comes from. That's where the idea came from, from that translation there. So, but then he goes on and he says this. He says, you were anointed as a guardian cherub. So I pointed this out to us, I think in the very first study, when we were looking at the cherubim, remember? And remember, the cherubim are those really bizarre living beings that are there around the throne of God with the four faces and the four wings and or the six wings and the wheel and all of that. So this person that's being addressed is referred to as an anointed cherub, a guardian. So I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. So notice it's speaking in the past tense. All of this hasn't happened yet. Some of it has happened. But notice a couple things that are tied to things that are said in other places. So notice when he says, I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Remember what Jesus said about Satan? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So here God says, I I hurled you to the earth. Um, This idea... So this idea of trade comes up here too. And this is where some people are like, well, what does this mean? I mean, if this is talking about the devil, which I think it is, 
how does the trade part come into it? The trade part makes sense with the king. Well, think about trade. What you do with trade is you, you connect. You have connections everywhere. And the picture here is that this being was connected to everything. That like on God's behalf, he was out there being like the PR guy for God, making all the connections, but all of that caused him to be prideful. And now Isaiah 14 is the parallel, another perspective on the same thing that happened. And Isaiah isn't as detailed, but Isaiah says what the essence of the, of the problem was is that you said, speaking of this being, you said in your heart, I will exalt myself above the throne. I will be like the Most High. So because of this incredible privilege that God gave to him, this caused him to be lifted up with pride and to revolt. And think about this too, because there is some indication. So the Bible doesn't tell us exactly this, but it, it hints at the idea. I mean, we know that there's more than one person who did this. We know there's the one we commonly call Satan or the devil, but that's just one being. But we know there are myriads of, of evil spirits. So we're never told specifically about that. But we are told in Revelation in symbolic language, but I think the symbol is what we're talking about, that the dragon, with, a, with his tail, he cast down a third of the stars of heaven. So the stars sometimes are, um, the angels are referred to as stars. So putting these things together, so people have speculated that, that this being that we call the devil, when he fell, he led a revolt and he took a third of the angels with him. They sided with him. And when you think of him being this trade guy, this connect person, Throughout God's, you know, I mean, I won't even say universe because I think this is maybe outside the universe. Maybe this is before time as we know it ever started. But this is, you know, he has such influence that he's able to lead this multitude away with him. And remember, Jesus refers to the devil and his angels. So the devil has angels and they are apparently the ones who followed him here. But when you look at this again, you know, some want to reduce it to a mythological figure. Some want to reduce it to Adam. This is a reference to Adam and what happened. But I think we just completely throw out the mythological figure, but the Adam thing doesn't really fit. Um, the only thing that fits with Adam is Eden, but the Eden here is, is clearly not the Eden that we know of from Genesis. And it would seem that the Eden from Genesis is a, you know, it's like a prototype of what, or, you know, God's dwelling place is the place. And then Eden is like a replica of it on the new earth that God has made. 
And so, but as he, you know, the, the description that he gives here. And so think about these, these things in regard to this being. So he's this cherub. So we know extraordinary in, in beauty. It says that you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Every precious stone adorned you meaning that his appearance was like these precious stones. doesn't mean that he had a coat with all of these stones on it. It means that this is what he appeared like, a very beautiful creature, but full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So when we think of Paul's words in Ephesians to us, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, to put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand against the, the wiles of the devil. So when we're, we talk about the devil, we're talking about a creature who, although corrupted, was full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Remember, Paul also would say in the letter to the Corinthians, the second one, he would talk about Satan being an angel of light. So all of this to say, this being who God will eventually judge, as we know, the book of Revelation tells us his final demise, um, this being and others similar to him, we are in a constant war with them. So this is God's arch foe. And his one business, the one thing he lives for is to try to thwart, interfere with, mess up, overthrow the plan, the purpose, the will, the work of God. And that's all he does. He doesn't do anything else. He doesn't take a vacation. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't get tired at his task. He's just relentless. And he goes on and on. And thank God that Jesus is the captain of the Lord's army. Thank God that Jesus is the one who keeps him at bay for us. Because if it was up to us, we would have no ability you know, to even for one moment resist any of his power. But the Lord, of course, says he fights the battles for us. Thank God. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he gives us his spirit. And so just as we close, just a reminder that we're in a spiritual battle. But remember that it's a spiritual battle. So the king of Tyre was not really the problem or the, the ruler of Tyre, Ethbal III. He wasn't really the problem. This guy was the problem behind Ethbal. And so when we think about the ruling powers in the world right now. The men are, in a sense, puppets of the spiritual forces. That doesn't mean that they're not responsible. doesn't mean that it's not their sinful desires and so forth that are causing them to do a lot of the things that they're, that they're doing. But they're being empowered by these evil forces. And remember, also, Paul refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works 
in the children of disobedience. So there's a spiritual thing that's going on. And when we think of the the stuff that is happening in our world, we of all people have to remember that, wait a second, this is not the explanation for this horrific stuff that's happening before our eyes. These people are not the full explanation. There's powers behind them that are using them, manipulating, holding them captive and so forth. So that's why Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Whenever we make our fight against people, we're fighting the wrong battle. We're fighting the wrong battle, the Christians are. Now, you know, sometimes God will raise up armies and send them and they will fight and that's his business. He can do that. But our battle is not with people, human beings, flesh and blood. Our battle is with these principalities and these powers. And our weapons are not of the flesh. Our weapons are mighty. Our weapons are spiritual weapons. And so this is where prayer and praise and worship and gospel proclamation and righteous living and all of these things, these are the things that we use to push back those forces of darkness. And so if we get all distracted with with these other things and make them our, our primary aim, then we're missing the real target. The real target is the enemy. And as we see here, he's extraordinarily powerful and extraordinarily crafty and all of those things. So that's why the admonition is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and to put on the whole armor of God that we would be able to stand. So that's the objective in putting on the whole armor of God is so we can stand against. Standing meaning that we hold our ground against the evil one and not only hold our ground, but that we take ground back from him too. So that is Ezekiel 28. And a final few words of prophecy against Sidon, the city that was up in the north. And we will just move on from that. So next week, we're going to look at the prophecies against Egypt. And that will probably go fairly quickly. But then once we get to chapter, once we hit chapter 34, we're really going to get into the best part of Ezekiel. (laughs) So there's good things ahead. And now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry and One website. we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version answering 50 of the top objections and questions 
kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide? Or that the Bible condones slavery? So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.